Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Crystal Knight. Welcome back to the show brought to you by Newsweek. I've been doing a few episodes around many of the SCOTUS hearings that have happened this summer. Some of them have involved protections like voting rights. Some of them have involved affirmative action. And this week I talk with David Johns. He is the executive director of the National Black Justice Coalition about the Supreme Court's latest case that wipes away protections for LGBTQ plus people. It's a case that really has a lot of holes in it, but also it calls to question if the Supreme Court can begin to wipe away protections for people who identify as LGBTQ plus IA, then what is next? Welcome to the show, David. Thank you for having me, Crystal. Absolutely. Could you give us just a really brief intro into the organization and why you guys exist? Absolutely. I'll first say thank you for the gift of your time and attention uh, in advance. Uh, NBJC is this December. We will be a 20 year old civil rights organization that exists at the intersections of racial equity and LGBTQIA plus equality. Uh, we were established because there were public fights about uh, same sex marriage or civil unions that um, reflected uh, prevailing stereotypes, uh, including that all Black people are cisgendered and heterosexual, which has never been true, and conversely, that all LGBTQ or queer people are white. Um, and so the organization, organization rather exists to ensure that people know as long as there have been people, because everything emerged in Africa, so specifically as long as there have been Black people, we've been beautifully and incredibly diverse. And as Fannie Lou Hamer taught all of us, none of us will be free unless and until all of us are free. Um, so we focus on public policy. We try and shift um, stigma and, and curate um, both messages and movements to ensure that what are often thought of as distinct movements around civil rights and LGBTQ equality um, are one and the same. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you. And I love that your organization focuses on policy. And that's really where I want to start our conversation today. Basically, a week or so ago, the Supreme Court came down with a ruling around what I consider to be LGBTQ plus protections that would affect people who identify as such. Um, there is a Christian graphic artist um, in Colorado um, who refused to make a wedding website, allegedly, for a gay couple. And a lot of things have continued to unravel around this case. Um, the man who was named in the case came out and stated that um, he actually did not request this. He also lawyer's a liar. Yes, Lori Smith is the woman um who is the graphic artist named in this case just for folks context. Yeah. But I, I really want to start because this is a policy now, right? Like this is when we talk about Supreme Court rulings, when we talk about things um that 
the Supreme Court has been doing really the month of, of June was pretty rough in a number of cases that they ruled on, not only for a number of different people, but particularly this case, I think, is so critical and important. And it's tied directly into the work that you do. And I really want to break down why this case um, is hurtful and harmful and dangerous, um, not only for people who identify as LGBTQ, but for the culture, for the community, for this country as a whole. How do you think that this might affect the future understanding what has happened with this particular case? There's a lot on the canvas, so let me add some color. Sure. Uh, one for context to pull out. Um, we are having this conversation at a point in time in our geopolitical environment where more than 500, I believe the last count is 525 anti-LGBTQ pieces of legislation have been introduced in every state throughout our country with the exception of one state. I'll leave it to your listeners to identify that, that holdout um, thus far. Okay. Um, there have been more than uh, 50 um, anti-Black, uh, anti-CRT, um, uh, stop woke bills introduced are yeah. Um, codified mostly at a municipal or state level throughout this country. Mm -hmm. um, and there continue to be uh, very public moments where political bullies are targeting and taunting uh, communities that are already vulnerable and that are especially uh, minoritized, in particular Black folks, LGBTQIA plus folks. And what, again, often gets missed and why MBJC exists is to remind folks that um, we are often erased and ignored, but are impacted the most when thinking about the ways that these bills are operationalized in society. Mm -hmm. So specific to this case, we should all be clear that in the, this year, what, what is it, 2023 of our, our year of, of the Lady Beyonce, no <laughs> one should be refused service simply because of who they are, how they love or how they show up. Our country is at its best when we are removing barriers to people being able to participate and the promises that the, the founders of this country established on land that they stole. Mm, yes, on land I, that I, they I stole. I draw quickly connections to how absurd and hypocritical it is for Justice Thomas in particular to side with the majority in this case when miscegenation laws previously existed and would have prevented him from marrying his wife. And people use the same... Uh, a thin veil uh, on hate, which is uh, Christianity in particular, mm -hmm. um, white European uh, bastardization of Christianity that says that if you don't comport with that which I believe, or if you make me feel uncomfortable, then I have the right to impinge upon your ability to live and take up public space in the way in which you should. What everybody should be clear, clear about is that this case contradicts the court's um, prior existing precedents in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, another case that um, um, started in Colorado um, and was about a cake shop owner refusing yes. to bake cakes for a same-sex couple. Mm -hmm, uh, in mm -hmm. that decision, the Supreme Court said that if you offer a public service, you got to provide it to the public. Period. Period. Stop. Right. And so the most dangerous thing, and this is to answer your, your specific question about hurtful, harmful, and, and dangerous implications of the bill, is that this opens the door for discrimination. Yeah. Legally for discrimination for folks who are in creative industries, um, who essentially can say that, that I don't want my expressive uh, abilities or skills to be used to affirm or support, insert whatever fragile, xenophobic, hateful, ignorant thing that somebody is holding on to here. 
What I don't understand about that is why that same logic is not applied to gun manufacturers. Mm -hmm. It is not the case that um, uh, a shooter uh, uh, has been able to say, uh, I'm not responsible. It's actually the gun manufacturer that gave it to me. The gun manufacturer is not held liable when a shooter does what a shooter does. So why would the uh, facilitation of um, a, a website or any 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 creative property be tantamount to um, endorsing or um, uh, perpetuating mm-hmm. someone's existence. That's actually not how this works. The most dangerous thing, and I want people who are not queer, who, who, who are not in loving relationship to somebody who might be affected by this in very real time. And this is the thing that I struggle with is like, I am a Black, same gender loving man. I am uh, blessed to be loved by another Black man. And, and the fact that I wake up holding my breath because there are people in positions of power who have the ability to change and challenge my rights Mm -hmm. and so many other people who will never have that feeling because they are protected by the heterosexual agenda and the privilege that comes with it. Mm -hmm. It infuriates me, but everyone should be clear that this will not only open up. It already has the case has opened up the door to discrimination. Absolutely. For folks who identify as or who often are assumed to be, LGBTQIA plus are members of sexual minority communities, but black folks should be prepared for more incidents of discrimination. Uh, people who are fat or too black are too whatever someone in particular, a fragile white person in this country feels entitled to a fragile white Christian, mm-hmm. or somebody who Christianity when it's convenient, feels entitled to, we should expect to see more public moments of discrimination around that. And all of this will, you, you name the organization that's behind us, the quote, Alliance for Defending Freedom. Mm-hmm. It's the fighting for me. They are weakening democracy and in in our very, very fragile and young democracy. And, and, and anybody who is um, who enjoys the freedoms that um, uh, they celebrated with having this conversation after um, uh, what my friends call white folks, um, Independence Day. Um, <laughs> but, but folks who enjoy their privileges should be clear that 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 they those who believe that their rights and their ways of being um, affirmed by a uh, quote unquote God, um, a God who discriminates, which is not the God I know, um, they sh- they should all be on notice that they're going to come for your rights as well. Absolutely, and and David, I want to follow up with everything that you just said about someone who might be listening and say, "Listen, I identify as a part of the LGBT." QIA plus community. And now because of this ruling, if they want to go and get service for anything, right, it could, we can take the graphic design, even the cake off the table, but just for anything, their ability to walk and show up in their truest self, because this ruling may make them feel that they have to hide. This ruling may make them feel that they cannot be as out and as public when they are asking for services or even rendering a type of service for fear of retribution or for fear of legal action against them. It just, I'm thinking about how a person may just feel like these are real feelings and people are affected not only by, you know, the policy and the business side, but just the personal side and how people are able to show up in this world. And so I just like you to address I mean, obviously, there are business implications, there are policy implications, but the ability to just be and exist. I mean, you, you, you spoke about being able to love and be loved and waking up and not knowing where the new attack may come from, but how this could absolutely 
affect one's ability to even just go and and offer or ask for services, not understanding how a business owner could ultimately react and decide whether or not they want to serve you or not. Right. I'm processing all of that and my body's having a visceral response to what all of this means for so many of us. And Mm -hmm. I want to offer a parallel for folks. Um, um, NBJC established what we call the Lavender Book, and it was built upon the Green Book, which existed because there was a period of time in our country in the Upper South where uh, Black folks had to navigate around businesses that were legally protected and not only discriminated against and denying services to Mm -hmm. Black folks, but often meeting them with uh, physical bodily harm. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, This is that. So uh, what we know is that um, our so many communities in this country are not familiar with having to deal with the physical lack of safety um, and and, an ultimate discomfort that comes with navigating around people who are protected and their ability to hate and and discriminate. Mm -hmm. I think a lot about the decision having been rendered in June, which is Pride Month. Right. Which is uh, important um, because James Baldwin talks about um, uh, living in environments where you are fed poison, like like, uh, uh, toxic messages about who you are and how you show up in the world. He says, if you have enough of that, then you start to believe it and then you become complicit in your own oppression. And so it's really important to see or have windows and mirrors into like possibilities that exist outside of what someone who hates you might otherwise say to you. And so I I hope people hear my heart when I say that it's important to have moments like um, pride when we can celebrate the importance of taking up space. And the reality is that for so many Black LGBTQIA plus folks, especially Black trans, femme-identified, and non-binary folks, we don't have the luxury of taking up space in public. And because Mm. of the ways that laws are constructed, we often don't have the privilege of having private spaces within which we could also find ways to thrive. So I think a lot about, I had a friend who said to me um, right after the decision was rendered, well, they could just go to another cake shop. Sure, privilege one, that works for you. (laughs) Right, that's not the point. That's exactly, well, right. Mobility is a privilege. Right. A lot of people, especially in this country, take for granted. Mm -hmm. And then two things are related to it. If you are a Black trans person living in rural America, right? Like the way that Hollywood tells this story is that Black folks only exist in major metropolitan spaces. We've always occupied small rural uh, uh, communities in America. Most Black queer folks live in the South with other Black folks. If you're a Black trans person living in a rural community, there might only be one one service offering for whatever it is that you need. Mm -hmm. And so the result is that you simply don't get that which you need. And when we think about people uh, who whose access to the things that they need to survive are severed, the implication of that is genocide. Mm. The same things are happening with regard to uh, attacks on bodily autonomy right. and, and people's ability to have access to affirming care. So the, the other example that I thought about um, is uh, Dwayne Wade. There was recent um, a public conversation in the culture around Dwayne and Gabby's decision to take their family out of uh, Texas because of a lot of the things that the governor is doing to attack children, destroy schools and weaken democracy while he auditions for president running the same place that Bull Connor ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we moved to California because we were privileging and, and, and prioritizing our babies, a black trans child's um, safety. Um, there are so many people who would love to do that and who simply can't. 
Right. They can't afford it or a number of things. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And then when we think about the the, the landscape, the policy landscape that I shared uh, 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 previously, like there's no space you can go to where these conversations are being had or where this legislation hasn't been passed. And that's just not in the the contiguous United States that there are 23 NGOs that we know of that are funding this uh, right wing uh, evangelical uh, church affiliated um, effort to remake America um, in, uh, uh, in the image of, 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 of cisgendered white um, uh, 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 colonizers. Mm-hmm. Those same nonprofits that are uh, funding the bills here are also doing so on the continent of Africa. Right. They're responsible for Uganda passing the what was originally, in, in, originally introduced as the Kill the Gays bill. Yeah. I want people just to, to work woke to do the opposite of what the um, the governor, um, 46, his name I won't say anymore, but what he's encouraging us to do and be clear about how all of these dots connect to a playbook that is really designed to turn out voters based on fear, mm-hmm. uh, the loss of political power because of shifts in democracy in our country, um, and is designed to weaken the very democratic institutions mm-hmm. that allow for so many people in America to thrive and otherwise have access to what they keep talking about as the American dream. Absolutely. You know, I love that you, I was literally going to ask you about um, this anti-LGBTQ law in the entirety of a, a country in Uganda and how many of the things that, that happen in America, they have ramifications, they have reverberations in other places because people look at us, right? They look at what our laws, they look at what we're doing and Oftentimes people either try to mimic or they pick apart pieces of policy or legislation and try to implement those things. And, you know, this was in May that this happened um, in in Uganda. But who's to say that this type of legislation could not be spread throughout the continent of Africa and and other countries and other continents as well? But I think the, the other thing, too, is that some people are calling this particular um this particular ruling a fraud, you know, it's, it's definitely anti LGBTQ, but the decision was based on a fake case and it ultimately undermines um, the Supreme court and its legitimacy. And so I'd love for you to just speak about how a business owner could allegedly make up a case just to discriminate. Like imagine the energy that went into um, this woman's decision to even go this far. And now that there's a ruling on this. Not so not any business owner. Right. Let's be clear. And I, that's why I thought it important to name her. Her name is Lori Smith. Okay. Smith. Um, she is a Colorado, uh, a burgeoning web designer who, based on all of the evidence and receipts, lied. Um, who and, and to use another term, colluded with the Alliance to Defend Freedom to bring this case to the Supreme Court. I, I, um, I don't have access to the numbers, but when I think about the cost to the court of trying this case repeatedly after the state of Colorado upheld their state non-discrimination law, mm-hmm. it is uh, uh, anyone who cares about democracy and again talks about wasteful spending should be beyond perturbed. Um, this could only happen for, I would argue, uh, in any form or venue, um, uh, a white person and in particular white women um, who are protected in their ability to 
weaponize systems that are purported to protect mm, yes. and to enable democracy. This is, this is what I heard in both Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson and Sotomayor's in their dissents. It was a naming of this hypocrisy that so many of us who have studied history, history have seen um, time and time again heretofore. This is why it is important to, this is uh, to, to close the loop on something you raised previously, it's important for Congress to pass the Equality Act. Mm-hmm. The Equality Act would provide clear and consistent federal non-discrimination protections, first on the basis of sex. So it would clarify that the discrimination that women, uh, women identify folks experience uh, in so many spaces, including in the workforce, um, are not protected by law. It should not happen. In addition to that, it would clarify that discrimination should not happen on the basis of sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression. The term is soji. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what is needed now as we should anticipate that there will be more cases funded by this, this very powerful um, network of folks, including Bessie DeVos, the former Secretary of Education, mm-hmm. uh, who's a part of this, this body of, of people funding this evangelical um, a push to colonize in the way in which they see it now. We should expect to see more attacks against state non-discrimination protections, which is why people um, um, should consider continuing to vote in spite of how difficult they are continuing to make it in spite of gerrymandering. We should continue to vote to ensure that people are in positions of power to pass the Equality Act. The Equality Act has not passed in spite of being introduced in the House of Representatives, every Congress for at least the last decade um, and it's not passing in particular now because there are people sitting with the ability to vote in the U.S. House of Representatives that should not be there if only because they engaged in treason mm. on January 6th. And in particular, like people are citing the 14th Amendment, the, the, the courts have cited the 14th Amendment around equal protection, which they have just violated in this case. Section three of the 14th Amendment says that you should not serve in Congress or be elected president or vice president or hold any office, civil or, or military, if you've engaged in insurrection or rebellion. Right. And so what I struggle with most is knowing I'm an educator by training. Um, I think a lot about Bell Hooks, lowercase b, lowercase h, who, who says, um, one, um, those who are engaged in upholding white supremacy um, often try and beat out of us the curiosity around critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and we often forget that defending democracy has to happen every generation and education is its mid- midwife. What they're attempting to do is erase the, uh, the policies and practices that have prevented the promulgation of stereotypes that have uh, restricted our ability to thrive mm-hmm. uh, as a community and as a country. Um, and we should all be clear about that and, and work diligently to ensure that they are not successful in their continued attempts. So, David, how can if there's someone who's listening and say, listen, this affects me or affects someone that I care about or that I love or I'm just an ally or I want to do something, I want to take some type of action because this is just wrong. How would you engage listeners who are fired up about this, who want more out, more representation, not only out of our elected members, but we understand that we cannot elect 
our um, Supreme Court justices, we we they're you know put there by way of voting, which we've which you've discussed, and and if people would vote and understand that every single election matters and how much power. Um, the president wields in in selecting people and nominating people and how the you know Senate helps confirm these people, then maybe that would draw the dotted line on why people should vote locally and, and even, you know, statewide and, and congressionally or, or federally. But for people who are just saying, what can I do? Like, this is, again, something that's harmful. We've already said that. How can I take action? What what are steps that I can take to ensure that? either myself or people that I know who could be negatively affected by this type of ruling don't feel um, harmed as they're going about their day-to-day lives. It, again, attempting to um, either render services or ask for services by people who are anti-LGBTQIA+. Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I appreciate that. Um, three things come to mind. One is um, I, I want to celebrate that a lot of people vote. Um, okay. a, a lot of Americans vote in spite of really dangerous and treacherous conditions around voting. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important for those of us who are um, privileged uh, and who otherwise might take that for granted to do more to protect the right for more citizens to vote. Um, so that's one very much related to that. You use the word ally. I understand uh, why. I want to encourage people to work to become an active accomplice. Okay. Um, an active accomplice. Active accomplice. I say that one because um, too many people are now purchasing the ally jersey, which used to be um, uh, provided by the community. And they're doing so by engaging in um, superficial, um, often symbolic um, ways. They're watching RuPaul's Drag Race. uh, They quote (laughs) Todrick Hall songs. They donate to the HRC. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of those things are important, but the, the goal should be to engage in both meaningful and measurable change over time okay. and ways that allow you to use your privilege to be disruptive for good, to get into good trouble, to use a phrase that came from Bayard Rustin, the architect of the uh, Civil Rights March on Washington, um, and then other, otherwise popularized by John Lewis. Um, and the good news is that there are organizations like NBJC that can help to support one in becoming an active accomplice and building those muscles. Mm-hmm. So I want to highlight um, three organizations. Uh, again, NBJC, I offer up um, our team to be a resource. We have lots of um, uh, programs and activities and tools, including guides to help people with language to support this work. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find all of that at mbjc.org. There's also freedom to learn. Um, MBJC works in collaboration with Kimberly Crenshaw on the uh, African American Policy Forum, um, as well as Khalil Gibran Muhammad at Harvard, um, to ensure that we are um, providing a space for people who understand the importance of defending the freedom to learn to connect with, with, with each other. Um, and, and to date, there have been uh, more than 500 community events across the country where people are literally connected with one another and finding ways to defend the, the freedom to learn. And you can find more about um, that and how you can get engaged at freedomtolearn.net. Okay. Uh, the last one in this space is Vote Ready. Um, it's iamvoteready.org. Um, again, to my point about democracy being tested, I want everyone to ensure that they're aware of the most recent legislative changes that might prevent or shift the way that we expect to vote um, in this upcoming presidential election, the cycle of which we are very much in. So that's nbjc.org, freedomtolearn.net, and iamvoteready.org. And then the last thing I'll offer, um, Crystal, is this. It's really important for all of us to engage in what my friend CeCe Battles calls white supremacy rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, 
be critical about how um, often misinformation and disinformation is used to prevent us from thinking critically, from having um, important and sometimes uncomfortable discussions with each other, especially with people who have different um, lived experiences and ways of making meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and also being mindful about the lessons that um, people have ha- taught us heretofore. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about um, uh, Frederick Douglass's speech to what is the um, 4th of July to the to slave. Um, and, and at the core, Frederick Douglass's message was, one, stop playing in my face. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. Like, okay. Plainly. Right. Uh, give a speech on the 4th of July by, quote, well-meaning white people who were celebrating their independence while so many others, including himself, were enslaved. He was like, y'all stop playing in my face. I mm-hmm. will have this conversation with you knowing how dangerous this is because it is important. I believe in our collective freedom. The other thing he says is that our um, young at the time uh, when he gave the speech, younger democracy still has a chance to make good on the promises mm. that it purported to care about when this country was established. Again, I found it on stolen land. Right. Uh, and labor um, uh, that, that wasn't compensated or, or agreed to, um, to put it mildly. Um, and, and what I struggle with as somebody who thinks a lot about um, the development of societies and, and, and life cycles more specifically is that um, that opportunity will not exist in perpetuity. Um, okay. What I, I hope people are hearing and everything that I'm saying in this moment is that uh, what some of us experienced on January 6th with regard to uh, an attempted coup mm-hmm. Uh, what what we are still living through with regard to the disruption that we name when talking about um, the current pandemic around the novel coronavirus, I would say the pandemic also associated with white supremacy, uh, what we felt viscerally the summer um, that George Floyd um, died um, the week after him, Tony McDade, a black trans man, was also murdered by the Tallahassee Police Department, um, watching people risk their lives to protest and demand for democratic shifts and changes in our country matter because this could all fall apart. Yeah. Our democracy could cease to exist. And for so long that has been, I still think for so many people that feels like hyperbole, but, but, but again, I'll go back to where I started. If you live daily stressed about accessing life-saving and life-affirming medicine, which includes the love and affirmation of a community that sees you for who you are and how you show up in the world. Mm-hmm. If you have housing insecurity and food insecurity, which the vast majority of Black LGBTQIA plus folks experience in this country, if you are privileged enough to have a job, but that job is on the front line where you are exposed to so many other traumas, if you wake up every day wondering that someone is going to limit or otherwise restrict your ability to simply be, you already know What's on the line? Right. But my hope is that everyone else who's been protected and who feels like their privilege will save them understands that that's not how the game is set up. Yeah. Sincerely. Wow. Well, my, my last question that I would love to just have you ponder for a few minutes is where does the court go from here, particularly as it relates to LGBTQ plus IA um, folks. And and you, as you were talking about Frederick Douglass, I couldn't help but think about um, 
something that you said about this country becoming better, this country um, doing better and, and making better of its citizens and making its citizens feel as safe and as protected as our Constitution so lawfully claims, um, which we all know is, is, is not the live reality for many people in this country. But do you think that not the, so the question isn't, are we headed in the right direction? Because I don't believe that we are, but do you think that our country has the ability to get better and to treat every citizen, regardless of how they may identify better considering the current state of our court? I choose to honor the legacy of African people throughout the world, mm-hmm. and especially in this country that we built for free, um, that we have and continue to get better. Okay. And better looks like leaning into the diversity that has always existed. It is celebrating uh, significant shifts in both demographics and in our democracy. And it's leaning into all of the things that uh, we export through Hollywood um, in terms of global messages about not only what's possible in this country, Mm -hmm. but the people who actually make things shake. Yeah. Specific to the court. Um, I'm going to answer this as an individual, like uh, Dr. David Johns, not David Johns, the executive director of NBJC, because we are a 501c3 organization that is not partisan. <laughs> okay. Um, what I hope happens are at least three things. One, I hope that Clarence Thomas either recuses himself and or um, is relieved of duties as a result of repeated and, and now more public ethics violations. Mm-hmm. Uh, also hope that his uh, wife is held accountable for that, which she has done to weaken democracy. Um, I hope that Justice Roberts continues to lean into what I hope um, um, is him reflecting on his life and legacy. There was a part of me, Crystal, that when they delivered the decision the week before the decision in 303, the twin decisions in affirmative action um, and the decision around student loans. But the week before, when they delivered the decision around voting rights, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a part of me that thought, one, this is the re- result of Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson being there, right? Like, um, this is a reflection of um, the brilliance of Black women who are responsible for almost everything right in the world, mm-hmm. um, showing up and taking up space and framing that discussion um, amongst that body in ways that force them to um, at least acknowledge the, the principles that they um, um, say they value. This yeah. is the, the fundamentalist on the court. Um, two, it also felt to me that um, the result in that decision was because he is thinking about his life and his legacy um, and is concerned about how people will tell the story of his court. Right. In this moment, my hope is that, uh, and I will continue to say this publicly, that um, President Biden and uh, Vice President Harris are, um, will rather exhaust all possible options to Ensure that the court's um, ethics and the the values and the the lack of questions people had around um, ethics and values are restored. Mm. Um, There's a lot of public discussion around sort of, uh, not sort of, but court packing or adding um, to the court uh, as someone who worked in the Obama administration and then saw 
um, the how dangerously productive the the subsequent occupant of the Oval Office was. I think a lot about um, how the the worst actors might abuse things. Um, so I'm not necessarily saying MBJC doesn't have a position on court packing in this moment. Um, but what I I will say is that the Biden and Biden Harris administration has nothing to lose. They have everything to lose at this moment. Let me let me rephrase it to be more precise. They have everything to lose in this moment by advancing court packing. Um, they have everything to lose by failing to do everything possible to 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 strengthen democracy. I got you. Okay. To ensure that this court um, is not con- is not committed to or an a- allowed to continue to destroy precedent. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. act in ways that contradict the very decisions that they themselves are making. Um, this is in addition to these very public questions about ethics and Justice Thomas taking what is tantamount in other spaces to bribes. Yeah, absolutely. Who could be buying these decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so I think there are broader sort of questions and, and concerns around our court system generally and the Supreme Court more specifically. But no, to, to Biden Harris, they have everything to lose by failing to act. And failing to learn lessons from the failures of the Obama Biden administration with regard to the court, yep, and the successes of his subsequent, uh, the subsequent leader, our occupant of the Oval Office. In yeah. That regard. Wow. Okay. Um, that's almost a rallying cry, David. The way that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. Crystal, it's a besiegement. I am. No, no, let's not be delicate or precise. Okay. <laughs> this is a besiegement. If you care about yourself, yes. Care about our country. Mm-hmm. If you don't care about those things, care about children. Yeah. Don't actually born. Yeah. But who are responsible for dealing with these problems that adults are creating. Yeah. And our elected leaders and what the positions that they hold right now, what are they doing to make the most of the time? Because they're not guaranteed an, another term, right? We we can hope that all of our favorites, our favorite political leaders get reelected, but in the case that they don't, what have they done with our vote in their seats right now? They ask for our vote. What What have you yeah. done with it while you've had the time? Yes. Uh, Janet Jackson's What Have You Done For Me Lately is playing lolly in the back of my head. And <laughs> our popular elected and or appointed leaders. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to name the role of um, uh, religious leaders in organized spaces also play community leaders as well. Right. Like, right. Our faves should be folks who do the work that they are elected to do. Yeah. Our fave political leaders should be those who are voting and introducing legislation and talking on the house floor in ways that are consistent with ensuring that their constituents have better lives, increased access to opportunities and success in this country. Our fave political leaders should not be the ones that have the largest congregations and the flashiest jets, but are the ones doing the work of the Lord. I studied when I went to, to, to Bible study and, and, and Sunday school and church, but showing up for the least of us those who are most vulnerable and targeted and stigmatized in our society. Our faves should be folks like you who do tough work in spaces where people do a lot less and have a lot more access to platforms Mm -hmm. to be deceptive, to spew misinformation, to engage in weapons of mass distraction, to prevent us from being free. And that's profitable for folks. Absolutely. Capitalism works. And so I, I am 
I am pleading with folks to to get into the arena mm-hmm. and to find ways to defend democracy, strengthen our communities, and show up for our children. I would argue that there's self-interest in each of those things, uh, but I hope that those are co- compelling enough. Well, I definitely appreciate those um, parting words because those are strong words for the moment that we're in right now. And and I, I just want to, you know, reiterate for the folks that are listening that this is David Johns, the executive director of the National Black Justice Coalition. And I appreciate you for just making time to even just share how you're feeling in this moment um, and the work that your organization is doing to interrupt and disrupt the political system, even on the 501c3 level, even just disrupting and interrupting our norms and how we think about um, moving throughout this country and moving throughout this world, understanding that not everyone is free and the protections that the Constitution says um, that every American has is not the lived experience. And so, again, David, I really want to just thank you for making time to come by and share. And I hope that we can have you back on um, if you're open and willing. Absolutely. Uh, I love that. Um, and I very much appreciate you. I want to say thank you to your listeners for the gift of their time and attention. But absolutely would look forward to coming back. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Crystal Night Show brought to you by Newsweek. The best way you can support us is to give your five-star review on Apple iTunes and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast to The Crystal Night Show. After being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show. Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show. Just because officers are black doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. Wow. It's like the opposite of most people's perception of them. It is. The parting shot. Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited, nostalgic feeling, and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report. Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future outside the royal family. Newsweek Podcasts. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at Newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts.